0: Good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of CIO Leadership Live. I'm Mary Fran Johnson, the Executive Director of CIO Programs here at IDG, and I have the great privilege today of speaking with Jim Rinaldi, who is the Chief Information Officer of NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. For the last 13 years, Jim has been the CIO at JPL, which is a federally funded research and development center that is managed by NASA for Caltech. It is one of the world leaders in space and planetary exploration. Jim is responsible for all of the IT systems and the infrastructure, providing enterprise services, high-performance computing, and unique support to the scientific and project communities centered on JPL. Imagine having a user base where you've got more rocket scientists and PhDs running around than regular people. That's Jim's world. Of the 600 people that run IT under Jim's command, about half of them are outside contractors and partners. Now, before he joined JPL in 2005, Jim was the CIO at the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, and before that, the Chief of Information Technology Services for the IRS. Prior to his federal government roles, he was in the private sector as a senior vice president of information resources, operations, and services at Marriott International, where he spent 16 years in various management positions. Jim, welcome. It's great to have you here today.
1: Well, thank you, Mary Fran. It's great to be here and uh, look forward to our discussion.
0: I do, too. I always have such a great time when I talk to you, and I always learn stuff. Um, let's start out by talking about JPL's IT organization and how it is set up and structured, and especially how it's been evolving in these last few years of dramatic change in IT.
1: Well, that's a. It's it's been a very interesting journey for us. Um, we tend to, and I tend to, organize based on need uh, from year to year, and we've been through some changes over time, so we have a a, a, a fairly traditional model in the sense of, uh, uh, you know, we do major system development, uh, we are in-user driven in terms of that, we also are consultative, which is a major uh, emphasis for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ov- obviously manage infrastructure, networks, and services like that, and operations, and um and then uh, you, you're you're very aware of our big thrust always is on uh, making sure IT stays current, and we mm-hmm. we manage our our ability to look at emerging technologies, and we're organized to do that so that we can be prepared for whatever the next wave and how we can apply that if it applies to JPL.
2: Yeah,
1: um, cybersecurity is also a very important part, and and uh, that's uh, always a continuous challenge and that's one where we in the lab have put resources into it so we're Um, you know, we have uh, good talent and we're always growing our capabilities in that area as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I know when we talked earlier, you mentioned that there's definitely some shadow IT throughout JPL. So you've got IT around that doesn't necessarily report to you, yet it's still very much working as part of your team. Uh, So it's, I I don't hear very much about collaborative shadow IT. So tell me how that works and how did you, how did you get it to that stage where it was really part of the team rather than something that was a problem for you as a CIO?
1: Yeah, it's a, it, it, it was a journey again, but it was uh, building trust. You know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm careful about looking like we're building an empire here. So it really is what's, what's the best way and the most effective way to get IT done. And some of that requires having IT resources where the need is and having that, um, I'm going to say business, but, you Mm -hmm. know, having that, that, that non-IT, uh, trust with an IT person, even if it's theirs Mm -hmm. and creating that environment where, uh, they feel like we're supporting them, not competing against them. And, uh, that was a challenge that took a few years to get through that. Mm -hmm. And so inviting, uh, the shadow out of the shadows and into the party, Mm -hmm. uh, is a challenge. And it turns out from a career development, uh, people are recognizing and have recognized that that's not a bad thing. And then getting the CIO support on some initiative that is important to whatever Mm -hmm. the particular group is, um, it turns out uh, to be advantageous to those groups. So so it's win them over. And then all all of a sudden they see career and, and nine times out of 10, they end up wanting to be a part of us.
0: Yeah. Well, and I've heard that from other CIOs when we've talked about shadow IT. They've said that it's great to have your own. Essentially, they can become very big fish in a little pond, but then they don't have any way to get out of the pond and right. that getting together is a, a good approach to it. Um, you mentioned the other business units. Of course, when we think about regular private, you know, with like insurance and ba- companies and banks, you think there's, oh, there's operations and distribution, and there's marketing and all. But uh, JPL has some very unusual business units. I mean, you've got people working building spacecraft, for instance. So when you well, talk about the rest of the business at JPL, what are some of those departments and divisions that you have that we wouldn't find in, in an ordinary private enterprise?
1: Well, so let's, let's uh, from, uh, from our, our programmatic side or the side that does missions, we have, uh, uh, so it's, it's pretty unique. We might have, uh, we have one that's called, you know, the Mars Directorate.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: mean, how many people are going to have that? Or Earth <laughs> Science Directorate. Yeah. Uh, or Solar System Directorate. Uh, Deep Space Network Uh, Directorate. And so, uh, you know, it really uh, identifies some of the uniqueness we have because of the missions and the type of missions we have. Mm -hmm. Astrophysics Directorate, that's one of my favorite. And so, um, you know, IT is somewhat aligned to that while we're providing a lot of, uh, you know, common services. We also provide unique services to those organizations because their needs Are really quite different from each other Mm -hmm. uh, because their emissions are quite different from each other. Mm -hmm. We actually have a discrete manufacturing system but we really don't manufacture in quantity it's more like quantity one at a time. Yeah. And so it's kind of fun to to talk about that a little bit because of the uh, unique nature of uh, of the missions we have.
0: Yes. well, and let's talk a little bit more about being a federally funded R&;D center. You have to plan a little bit differently because the way NASA funds it gets funded in like a three year cycle. So what does that what kind of impact does that have on the business you run as the CIO?
1: So what uh, what it, it does uh, it's a little certainly different than than the uh, the government does it but what we we tend to break it down is uh, we know what missions they want to fund and what work that mm-hmm. NASA wants us to do and then we uh, partition uh, the money off so there's a piece for IT a piece for HR a piece for mm-hmm. business uh, services like facilities and things of that nature and so. Um, uh, in effect, it becomes like a tax on our missions. Um, at, at the same time, it's necessary work that it has to be done. So, and then we do it on an annual basis. Um, we do a three-year look lookout to mm-hmm. see, you know, what the um, what the environment is going to be and what missions will be doing in in the subsequent years. Missions take a long time to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly, the planetary missions do, and so that requires us to you know, uh, plan not only our budgets, but certainly the workforce, you know, that's required uh, during those times. And IT is a part of that. We have to plan our workforce, too, which then obviously impacts the budget process uh, so that we can meet the requirements, usually in a three-year window in terms of planning, but certainly on an annual basis in terms of budget.
0: Mm -hmm. When you think about all the different um, projects and the things that are funded and underway right now, Do you have one that is a special favorite? Something where you're just more interested in that particular mission than any others? I know know whenever we get together with your chief innovation officer with Tom Soderstrom, we end up talking about robots (laughs) and things like that. So I just wondered if if you had... I know you love all your children equally, but I wondered if there's any that particularly just really strike a chord with you.
1: Um, uh, You know, I have to tell you, I, I... We have something we call quarterlies and uh, where I get to meet with all my folks who are doing project work for us. And I get excited about all of it. I have to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, My excitement goes eight to ten hours. Uh, So I I can't get enough of it. And and so I really don't have necessarily just a favorite. Um, I have some that I pay particular attention to. And um, we're we're doing something pretty exciting with um, that I think will uh, positively impact uh, our friends in the federal government, in that we use multi-factor um, access, and uh, we're working with a consortium of companies to make your smartphone part of that multi-factor, uh, so that instead of putting a say a smart card mm-hmm. into your computer, you'd walk up to your computer with your smartphone and it would recognize you and you put in your code and you're done. Wow, and awesome. that, um, so far has, uh, uh, we've been able to get that working and we're, um, soon this year we'll hopefully be deploying that. You know, there's some obstacles to go over, but it's kind of one of my favorite because it grabs people's attention. It, it sounds kind of innocuous in terms of an IT project, but in reality, um, We have to use our badges to get to, you know, uh, uh, our computers. And if we can do it it, where it lessens that one little factor, guess how many lost badges we won't have. uh, have,
0: Yeah, you'll have people hugging you in the elevator. Yes, uh, yes, (laughs) that is exactly
1: right. And I will tell you there's not a Mm -hmm. better feeling than when a scientist hugs you.
0: Uh, <laughs> I guess you're right. Yeah, that would be pretty special. Um, one of the things uh, that we talked about, I always have discussions with CIOs about their customer base and, you know, the internal versus external customers. You've got quite an extensive customer base. In fact, you said you you think of them more in segmentations rather than the way, uh, you know, a, a, a typical CIO might in a private enterprise. Uh, explain yeah. a little bit about that.
1: So uh, the way we do our planning. We look at our customer base in terms of uh, uh, for an IT planning. What is the individual needs? Because there's a lot of very smart individuals who, who work differently than, than others. Uh, there's the team. So we look at it from a team point of view, which sometimes is organization view. Uh, mission view. So how many people are on a mission? Missions need unique IT sometimes. And, and that's different than, say, what an individual needs mm-hmm. or a team needs. But one that's uh, and then of course institution which is sort of the enterprise you know what's the enterprise view um, but if you look at uh, where i'm really differentiating is now in communities yep. and there are communities of of um, uh, customers here that really do think alike and that you know leverage each other and if we can supply the i.t for that community so an engineering community it's going to be different than, say, a business administration community, okay. or than a um, you know maybe a, an HR uh, organization or something like mm-hmm. that. And when you have these communities and you can gear your IT so they can be the most effective they can be, you know, I think the lab benefits from that productivity and that uh, that type of uh, use of IT. But- it is a it it is a challenge though because if you look for efficiency. It's not the most efficient model, but if you look for effectiveness, I think that more clearly out, outweighs the uh, the things that might drive some inefficiency.
0: Yeah, and what is it that makes a group like that a community versus just a group of employees?
1: Well, it could be scientists across multiple disciplines. Uh-huh. So you might have radar people, you may have chemists, you may have you know astrophysicists. Uh, you know, they tend to look at things differently, but they also talk to each other and work with each other. And uh, the fact is they may need, uh, you know, a type of IT, say, uh, say for example, in high-performance computing. You know, if we gear our resources so they can use, um, you know, this, uh, the specialized type of computing, um, you know, we're doing them, that work, that community a, a great um, service. One recently, over the last few years, we did was the software developers across the lab. We we generate mm-hmm. a lot of software at JPL, and uh, it rides on spacecraft. It uh, does Earth uh, type uh, science as well, mm-hmm. and um, you know when we create this community working with our other partners, uh, and and, and cent- it's sort of centered around say GitHub.
2: Okay, also, I remember that. We found
1: mm-hmm. sharing that we've never seen before, and so. We we had a great advantage with that, and we're um, I'm actually very proud of that because it sounds so simple, but it turned out to have great benefits, and um, we're seeing a a really transformation in how we do software development now.
0: Mm-hmm. And I remember reading things about GitHub. It was a, a much bigger deal a few years ago. And, and of course, like so many things in technology, it becomes part of the fabric and nobody talks about it yeah. anymore. But explain yeah. briefly for the few listeners like me who don't remember exactly what GitHub is. Oh, okay. Yeah. So
1: it's an open software uh, capability that uh, for uh, source code uh, mm-hmm. storing and management and yeah. And it turns out it has a a very cool interface and a very easy way for people to share uh, and find and share uh, source code so that, and, you know, and other objects that I might add um, that allow them to, uh, you know, to, you know, not have to redevelop what's already been developed. And Mm -hmm. uh, it takes people out of their silos. This is why I like the community thinking, you know, Uh, you're, you're, you're tied to an organization, but that's not how you always work. And in a matrix workforce, which we are,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you know, you may find that there's there's uh, horizontal lines that go across the matrix that have more interest together than, say, vertical lines.
0: Right. Okay. Got it. Let us switch um, switch gears to talk about uh, the initiatives you have underway that would fall under the uh, the very popular buzzword these days: digital transformation. Um, uh, what? does digital transformation mean for an organization like JPL when, in fact, everything you do has been digital pretty much for a long time? But And I remember when we were getting ready for this interview and I asked you about it and I said, is this kind of a silly question for you? And you said, no, you have digital transformation stuff underway. So talk a little bit about what that means for JPL.
1: So uh, it, it really does mean that we want to uh, not necessarily challenge what we do, but change how we do it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And how we do it is, uh, can we do it in a more streamlined manner, a more collaborative manner,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, where it's more data-centric manner versus process-centric manner? Uh, you certainly need the processes, but you build those processes around what are the, what's the data that people need to do their job and, ah. and interact with each other. And instead of building a process, and then figuring out how you manage the data. And uh, one of the things that's uh, been fairly successful for us uh, is opening up the data. Uh, so, you know, we tend to be, when we do our missions and projects, they tend to be a little mini silos, some of them quite large.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And <laughs> that, uh, that means the data gets locked up too. Yes. And so if you change and work on a different mission uh, or mission, you may not be able to get to that mission you were just on and access the data. Right. And so we've been able to work with our components in the lab to, uh, to open that up. And that's transforming how we work as, uh, as much as anything because now people can get at things that they couldn't do before because mm-hmm. of a siloed approach instead mm-hmm. of a collaborative sharing approach. Now it took technology to do that. And so we have a very talented search team. We, we developed our, using open source software, we developed mm-hmm. our own search. And that search turns out to be a very important component of our transformation. Um, It's not a Google search. It's a how do I find things in JPL. We're a quite complex organization. And if you can find things uh, without having to know the organization to go ask, I think uh, you're going to work a little more effectively in your job.
0: Interesting. Well, that's what you mean by when, because when I asked you this before, you said, well, it's really a data transformation not so much digital. I wonder if that isn't true for a lot of companies. because I
1: I, I happen to think it is. Uh, Given my uh, multi-industry background, uh, I I think that uh, translates quite a bit um, uh, across industries and all the colleagues I meet with, so I I would agree with you there. Hmm. Uh, It is understanding the data. Now, here's the ironic part. IT doesn't own the data, Hmm. and so we have to be good stewards of the data and provide a good architecture for the folks who do own the data Mm -hmm. to be able to to see the value in what what we're doing.
0: Well, and you have to be the ones that are kind of keeping watch on the security guardrails around the data as well, I would think. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I
1: don't get a pass on that.
0: No, no, (laughs) exactly. Because you know if something goes horribly wrong – They'll come looking for someone to blame in IT. You know, that's well, that
1: it. And it, it, it is my responsibility. Yeah. So I take it very seriously. And it's an important part. And the lab really does treat it with a you know, the respect it needs. And I'm, I'm very proud of where we are, but we're not we're not even close mm-hmm. to being finished.
0: Well, I liked one of the terms you used. You talked about having data that was the gold source for the yeah. other processes and things, and then getting the right access to the right resources, streamlining how you work and all that. How yeah. far along are you on that journey? We're so always, this archi-
1: it's an architectural model uh, okay. that I'm very happy with, and uh, our uh, you know my strategist and uh, enterprise architect folks have figured out it's a it's a modernized software development and service development model and it's not foreign to a lot of people but it's based on keeping the data where it's best managed mm-hmm. and build uh, and have the right kind of middleware in between or messaging in between and then build the software to access that that data as tools okay uh, you'll you'll certainly build applications that will manage and maintain that data but you're also building capabilities that people want to access that data, mm-hmm. and we can do with that kind of architecture. Uh, we can we can build software much faster and build services much faster. Um, some would call it an API model. An API is part of it, mm-hmm. an application programming interface, and we're seeing a great benefit by having that because of the speed we can we can uh, go at. Our demand for IT at JPL is extremely high. Yeah and which is a great problem to have and so (laughs) if we can then improve our own processes our own transformation if you will uh then you know we can we can help meet the needs of the lab in a much uh rapid more rapid uh manner
0: yeah is that architecture and some of the work behind it that you're talking about is that something that jpl might ever make available as a service like something that would be an additional Revenue stream where you could offer it to big companies?
1: Probably not. I think we would certainly share the idea and share, uh, mm-hmm. you know, how we did it. Okay. Uh, but, uh, no, I don't see that taking away from our main purpose being here, and it really is uh, to meet the needs that NASA has asked us to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I just, whenever I talk with uh, you or with your, your colleague, Tom Soderstrom, you know, we always end up talking about the mission. And it's just, it's a, um, it's a lofty thing to be thinking about, exploring the universe um, yeah, and, and, and using IT to do it. Um, yeah. talk, let's talk a little bit about uh, JPL's governance process. Because that was one of the things that I found kind of encouraging and surprising is the way the governance at JPL has IT elements on every single committee involved with it. Uh, Explain how that works.
1: So the lab has uh, several councils uh, that make decisions or make recommendations depending on the type of work it is. Um, and, and, uh, the, there's, it's around uh, what business we do mm-hmm. and what business, you know, what proposals we should go after, what's, what's good, what we're good at. Mm-hmm. And so there's a strategic council, there's a lab management council, and there's a project management council in effect, so that, uh, we we have focus on our missions. The lab management council is more what you would call, uh, you know, something around a COO model where you're looking at the operations, and then there's the executive council, which I sit on, and the director of the lab chairs, and it's uh, it's the highest level council we have here. So, those councils offer IT, and we have IT, I, I'm on all of them, quite frankly, but my deputy is on mm-hmm. some of them, mm-hmm. and what we do is we're, we're there to represent, but also listen. We take that input from the councils, and then we go prioritize what IT does. Okay, And uh, we can bring issues, uh, we can bring requests, and we can um, uh, certainly get it to the point where we're we're making decisions about priorities that IT should be going after.
0: Mm -hmm. When you think back over the way um, all of this has been evolving and changing in the last, say, two to three years, is there a priority in IT now that is much more dominant than it was just a few years ago?
1: Yeah, I think uh, it, it really comes around. I mean, I mean, there's two. I mean, you know, I, I can't say cyber enough, cyber enough. So, there's <laughs> I know, that. Yeah. so, you know, that, that's kind of a given, but I don't want to make it look uh, uh, too light. It's always uh, in the
0: top three. Yeah, it, re- mm-hmm. it, it is. Yeah. Uh,
1: I, I think our, our what we've seen a shift in is really around the whole data strategy and people are taking that very seriously. And I would say that's really a great opportunity for us. And, it, and you're right, it does treat our feet, I should say, into the whole notion of the digital transformation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and the lab takes that very seriously. And a matter of fact, they've established um, an office of digital transformation. Uh, and, and that just got established or is being established as we speak. Because it is going to allow us to focus attention on the things that really need to be transformed, and then that's you know it's all IT enabled, but mm-hmm. it's business driven.
0: Oh, okay. I will. I was. My, you probably can anticipate my next question: Who's part of the Office of Digital Transformation? What kind of functions well, are in there? You don't it's, have to. Uh, you don't have to name employees, but
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I probably shouldn't. But it, it's it's going to be someone who has worked a uh, long time in IT, mm-hmm.
0: uh,
1: who will be driving that. Uh, it re- it reports to the deputy director of the lab, mm-hmm. uh, who effectively is our COO. Yes. And um, and it will be able to go across function and cross organization. Uh, The benefit to the IT organization is that will help drive priorities so that we're not trying to do everything at the same time.
0: Mm Excellent. 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 uh, Our um, sister research organization, International Data Corp, IDC, has done a lot of work lately looking at different structures around how companies do digital transformation. Uh, And I know that an office of digital transformation is one of the more rare birds that you find. They find three or four different big types and approaches I'm going, to have yeah. to, I'm going to have to flag this for them because they're probably going to want to talk to you about how yeah. you have it set up. Um, you mentioned, and I don't want to just treat it glancingly either, you mentioned cybersecurity and staying ahead as much as you can in the threat landscape and how that's changed. I know there's a lot you can't talk about around cybersecurity, but I think maybe we could talk about the ever-changing environment and the way the threats are coming from different places, maybe just the way you build resiliency into the organization. Yeah. To Tell us what you can about cybersecurity.
1: So, you know, the uh, we know where the attack vectors tend to be, mm-hmm. and we we know the uh, enormous amounts of data uh, that we collect around the, these things. Mm-hmm. And so we feel adding, um, you know, uh, we, we are adding and doing uh, analytics on the data much differently than we did a few years ago. So we're getting better mm-hmm. informed about what we capture and what we know and to help reduce the surprises now on the other hand we have legacy mm-hmm. and so one of the challenges for us is to you know to start retiring more legacy and replacing the legacy with more current um you know systems Great. and that's a challenge but it's also one that uh, the lab does support and it requires uh you know, that uh, we stay more current. Now, the federal government has asked us to stay more current as well because that's what they're having to do. And so we're aligned with our colleagues at NASA to do so, uh, so that not only reduce the threat of attacks, but also, quite frankly, it helps us manage the environment a lot better Mm -hmm. so that we know what's going on. And then we use um, anomaly detection and or behavioral um, uh, capabilities. We can see when something is not quite correct and, and, and go after it in a, maybe a faster way and a more thorough way.
0: Well, in some of the conversations I've had recently, we, we do a panel, which is a CIO-CSO discussion at all of our CIO Perspectives events, um, and I've talked with a number of CSOs lately, and they're very keen on behavioral analytics, on yes. the different tools, the things that can just spot, and you mentioned them, I guess you called them anomalies, uh, but there's somebody, it's kind of like somebody who's in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, yeah, we're
1: there, and, we're, we're there, that's that's yeah. uh, that's in our, uh, our area of uh, ever-growing uh, capability.
0: Okay. <laughs> there Are there, um, are there other new or interesting types of cybersecurity technologies to fight some of these problems, anything that has kind of risen on your radar scope? You might not be using it yet, but you're watching.
1: So uh, <clears throat> we, we really think that there's going to be more advantages in the AI ML world Mm-hmm. Uh, to help our, you know, our humans just can, can't do as much. So Artificial
0: he, intelligence, machine learning, yep. That's mm-hmm. exactly
1: right. And, and so we see that um, we have to, in fact, uh, do our own digital transformation in that area. And that's pretty exciting because uh, there's so much that we know and then there's so much we don't know. But having the speed and feed of the automation it's mm-hmm. going to really give us keep us more informed and hopefully keep uh, keep advanced of the threats and and if and if an attack happens, can we recognize it faster, isolate it, and in effect, build that self-defending environment? Yes, the resiliency. Uh, that uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's still a little bit of a dream, but it's at the same time, I I, I think it's achievable given where the state of the technology is going.
0: Yeah. What's funny, I've been thinking lately about how often I find myself talking with CIOs about various uh, almost new twists on the whole topic of IT automation. It's, it reminds me of that everything old is new again sort of thing because I can remember back in the 90s at, at Computer World talking a lot about automating different processes and this sort of yeah. thing. And what seems to have made it kind of sexy again is all the prevalence of tools built around machine learning and AI and systems that are in production. This is not you know, just I, read a lot of, I, mm-hmm. I read a lot
1: of books about what happened in the 90s, and so uh, <laughs> what's happening now – Back is, when you uh, were
0: in college, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, when
1: I was a child about this stuff. Uh, yeah. No, I, I actually, uh, uh, you know, with the advent of cloud computing, and we're a big adopter of cloud computing,
2: mm-hmm. you know, it gave
1: us the opportunity to do the DevOps type of, uh, you yep. know, automation. And you can do the provisioning and the deployment so much faster and not have labor, you know, sitting there doing it. And that's really to match the speeds and feeds of a uh, community that, you know, you spin up, spin mm-hmm. down, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, capabilities. And so in this world of unlimited capacity, unlimited storage and compute, uh, you've got to have the automation to do that. And, and, and world-class companies are doing those things. And that really helps us mm-hmm. um, get the services to the customer faster. And that set of customers that adopt to that are seeing the benefit of getting their processing done in much faster manner than they could before.
2: Right.
1: Instead of waiting on them buying a server, installing the server, those things that now take weeks and weeks could be done in a matter of minutes. But mm-hmm. if you can do it with automation to manage it, including how you charge back on it, how you uh, reduce the uh, risk of runaway things and stuff like that, I think it really allows us to continue to automate more about how we do IT and, and I think it's I think it's imperative that IT looks at itself that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Well and and when we think about all of the automation happening and all the you know the emerging technologies and the massive change that we have going on at faster and faster rates all of this it kind of boomerangs back into what I see as a very changing dynamic for CIOs in terms of what your role encompasses these days. Uh, Tell me what you've seen in, because you've been 13 years at JPL. So when you arrived back in 2005, uh, you probably weren't the IT governance guru strategist that you are today. So uh, talk a little bit about, how that role has expanded and how it has changed the IT department.
1: Well, I think in the you, you kind of touched on it earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, having a seat at the table is imperative, uh, you know, to drive the changes uh, that we needed to drive. And and uh, in terms of strategy, which I enjoy, by the way, uh, thinking strategically and mm-hmm. not just worrying about operations day to day, because that allows us to. To plan for the future. And IT is such an enabler of the future that I get that special seat at the table.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, So, uh, you know, I I actually uh, uh, enjoy that. And Mm -hmm. then we're able to organize ourselves uh, to deliver based on what I come back with and based what we're seeing from our non-IT components and, and what the needs are. So it's very exciting that we can develop our strategy. I do want to add one little thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: you know, mm-hmm. we are I consider us a business within a business. And so we look at IT to run like a business. what services we offer? Yes how, you know, we charge we do charge back here so that we can distribute the costs fairly across the the units. and and when we do that, that's that's interesting from a money flow, but it drives behavior. Plus, we can measure better because we know what people want, mm-hmm. what the consumer wants, because they're willing to pay for it. Right. And so that part of IT, we run like a business. How we make decisions, I've mentioned the governance process, but how we translate from, you know, planetary talk to IT is not always. Uh, there's no book for that, and <laughs> no. so we have to mm-hmm. develop that translation and that mapping. Yeah. And then that goes into our strategic planning process. And then we present that back to the lab, at least on an annual basis, sometimes twice.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, they, they, so that, to me, is very exciting. And that's how we've been able to communicate differently to the lab than we could 13 years mm-hmm.
0: ago. Well, and that's uh, I think of that as a, a, virtuous, a virtuous cycle, where you listen, you hear what they're saying, you interpret it in ways that they can understand, and then you kind of present it back to them. You know, and after
1: 13 years I'm starting to understand more and it's kind of scary
0: there you go well you get that opportunity to t- to bring them something that they never knew they always wanted that's like right. you know I always I remember hearing that phrase years ago referring <laughs> to marketing people and how that was one of their ultimate goals and I think more and more these days IT leaders have that same goal you know you, actually
1: you bring up a mm-hmm. wonderful point I, I do want uh, as part of the business of IT there is a marketing aspect of IT yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not selling. It really is making people aware of, of what's available.
0: Value. And your value. It's, and and you, that's right. there is nothing wrong with selling the value of IT. You're not yeah. selling anything down the river there. You're just you're making people I, aware. I
1: think it's an yeah. imperative. And I, I think otherwise uh, you could easily be treated as a cost center. Yes. And uh, mm-hmm. then you're always counted on to, you know, reduce cost. Well, when, and,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: my statement is if you invest in us, I'll reduce your cost.
0: Now, do you have any sort of marketing or communication talent that is part of your IT department that you use to help with that?
1: I do. I have mm-hmm. a, a, a communication and they help us with our deployments as well mm-hmm. so that we're communicating, you know, because change is hard. And mm-hmm. IT promotes more change than any other functional organization. Wow. And so part yeah. of it is how do you make awareness out there and how people effectively use the capabilities that we might be rolling out or changing. Mm-hmm. And so the communications, um, when I first got here, it was kind of funny. We would do a, I I said, communicate. So we did a lot of communications, and I got complaints that we were over-communicating. And I said, that's great.
0: (laughs) Because whatever you retain from that communication, I'm a step ahead. That's right. Yeah. Well, and you made a point, too, when we talked earlier that um, one of the changes in in the CIO role and IT's role in general is uh, that – People have become better customers of IT that, yeah. that collaboration is kind of working. it's yeah. become a two-way street.
1: Yeah, I, that's, I, and it, it really is true. I think uh, uh, you know um, people value IT differently than they did not that long ago, but they value it differently. And so if you if IT invests in helping the customer be a better customer, you know we all benefit from that and you can't do it in an arrogant uh, dictatorial way you have to do it in a very collaborative way
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i think we've had you know great success in doing that there's always challenges um mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time i'm i'm really proud that we have a different discussion than we used to have and that people are generally very interested in what we're doing and how we're doing it and and they're not off trying to do their own thing as much as they used to be. Yeah,
0: well, and technology itself has become so democratized, and with uh, with all the recent attention on the GDPR, the 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 privacy regulations, and Mark Zuckerberg testifying before Congress, and all that sort of thing, it's everybody's much more aware of the huge all the amounts of data that are out there and what's being done with your data and all that stuff. Um, when I think about When I think about IT people and and talk with other CIOs, we almost always talk about uh, the talent challenges. Um, you, you're not quite as stricken as some CIOs in terms of it. You have, because you're associated with Caltech, uh, you're there in, uh, you know, in beautiful Silicon Beach. And so so is it a snap for you to get the talent you need? Well, it's
1: not necessarily <laughs> just a snap. I, <laughs> I know. Nobody's
0: I, ever going to say that. <laughs> it's,
1: uh, uh, we have, uh, there's a, a, a lot of people who want to work at JPL. And, you know, because of what we do here. Mm -hmm. And that attracts a a very nice set of talent. We get, um, at JPL, we'll have 800 students here this summer. And, uh, you know, I get my share. I'll get about 30, 35. And out of those students, they're not all IT people. They're physicists. Mm -hmm. They're Harvard students Mm -hmm. in business. They're in, you know, MIT, uh, you know, Caltech, and uh, Cal Poly. So I get them from all over. And... Uh, most of them want to come work for us so our pipeline mm. you know can be uh, you know pretty, pretty futuristic because they mm. they may not we want them obviously complete their education yeah and so so we we don't have quite the issue uh, sometimes it depends on the the discipline that we're looking for
0: mhm okay well, let's uh, let's change from talking about the soft people skills aspects to the the hard skills and the network and all. Uh, tell me a little bit about the size and scope of your global network and the parts of it that are actually interstellar. You have <laughs> you have a pretty amazing network uh, considering how some so, networks can seem a little boring, but yours never does. <laughs>
1: no, we we uh, our network is also ever changing and. Uh, you know, it, it, we have actually, we have multiple networks and we segment them all for uh, some various reasons. And and we, we put it, we invest a lot in our networks because uh, uh, one thing we have is a lot of data and a lot of movement of data. Mm-hmm. And so, nice. and data comes from places that are not uh, uh, natural to a lot of other companies. So, right. uh, you know, we'll have data coming from Mars and mm-hmm. from orbiters and from uh, uh, Earth's uh, rotating satellites, and th- those, mm-hmm. that data comes through, you know, our, our networking functions, and then when it gets to the ground, you know, it starts riding my network, and, or networks, and we, we have to deliver it to the right place. So if you think about today's world, where you have your systems in clouds, you have, your, you have mm-hmm. locations uh, all, about, all around, and you collaborate with others, other space agencies, other, other institutions, your network has to reach out to all those locations and be able to uh, you know, make sure that it's uh, you know, providing the services they want. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it is a vast and, and changing, and we're really investing into networks that we're like an applications or a set of applications that can change dynamically. And I'm excited mm-hmm. about that. So you've probably heard about software-defined networking. Sure. You know, we're really into how we can take advantage of that and, and still maintain the security and maintain the, uh, uh, the service levels that we, we require.
0: Okay. Um, when I think of other industries, there's always the, the, the fear and loathing of, uh, getting Ubered, you know, having some sort of disruption come along that really suddenly, the, you know, it was adjacent to your industry and maybe you didn't see it coming, uh, especially hospitality and retail. There's a, there's a high degree of attention and interest paid to that. Um, are, is there any industry industry disruptor that you worry about?
1: Uh, it, it, you know, I, I, I probably should worry about some, but I I really think uh, we're pretty dynamic in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of uh, what we do. The government wants us to do a certain thing, certain types of missions, and we're very geared to do that here at JPL. And we,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know, so getting that type of talent and keeping that talent would certainly be, you know, mm-hmm. uh, um you know, mm-hmm. an issue for us. Um, so I, 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 I want to say that we should be concerned and we do look at those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, our, our overall is be very good at what we do, deliver, um, and then I think we'll be fine. So last month in May, we, we had two major launches.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, we, we have three spacecraft on their way to Mars. If they do accomplish their mission when they land on November twenty-six. Um, you know, we're, we're really demonstrating our unique capabilities here mm-hmm. to meet the needs of, the, of NASA and the federal government and U.S. citizens, quite frankly.
0: Yeah. Well, do you and the other uh, the managers and the leadership of JPL, do you keep an eye on people like Elon Musk?
1: Well, we work with SpaceX. Uh, SpaceX, mm-hmm. we, as a matter of fact, uh, the GRACE follow-on mission that just launched uh, two weeks ago, Rode a Falcon 9 uh, uh, rocket, and that's a SpaceX mm-hmm. rocket. Mm-hmm. And so we, we see them as great partners in working with us and NASA to uh, deliver spacecraft at a uh, maybe uh, it, certainly at a much lower price point. So we see that as an exciting, uh, you know, uh, uh, opportunity. And we've worked pretty well with them. And I think they're a very creative company, and I know their CIO Ken very well. And and, um, you know, I'm always, uh, you know, fascinated. I think it's wonderful that they're all in the L.A. area. And we have the Silicon Beach and we have JPL and we have Caltech. Um, I, you know, we're not – we're, 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 we're you know, getting more like San Francisco mm-hmm. and Silicon Valley. And it's very exciting. We just have a, a, a more relaxed pace in Southern California yes. than they do in Northern California.
0: <laughs> well, it uh... – Yeah, it's it's exactly. It never feels quite as cutthroat competitive as some of it. Well, because you're doing different kinds of work. You're not trying to create some app. You Plus, know, we're so
1: we're so worried about how the how we get through traffic. We don't have time for that. <laughs> I
0: guess so. Well, when what are some of the emerging tech trends that you have found kind of most useful for your work recently? We mentioned uh, Internet of Things IoT is definitely I know been high on your list for a while.
1: So you, you know we're uh, as as you uh, you know we talked about earlier. We we look and track these emerging technologies, and we go to CES to see what's hot and new mm-hmm. and things like that. And, you know, the IoT space has certainly been maturing. So you build sensors to capture data that uh, you couldn't capture before very easily or, or economically. I'm a big fan, and uh, you mentioned Tom earlier, my CTO. I'm a big fan of looking at other interfaces. And so we're intrigued by the smart voice or the uh, voice activated or mm-hmm you know type of thing because keyboards have been around for what 50 years and mm-hmm. you know so uh people use siri today or alexa or uh uh you know google home and uh and that's becoming much more of a natural thing especially if you're driving or, or other activities that you need to be focused on and we've done some work recently with uh, uh, a procurement group here that where they can use alexa to access uh, some data they need. We, we, we wrote the code ourselves, and it's protected and all that kind of good stuff. Mm-hmm. And it accesses certain co- certain data that they can ask for while they're working on a procurement on the keyboard. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we see that as saving some time, and it's very interesting and fun at the same time because we see that user interface starting to grow more and more and I think other companies, I know my friends at Farmers Insurance are doing that kind of thing, and I think you're going to see a whole new skill set get developed mm-hmm. around that space, and I find that to be something to keep an eye out on. Well, uh, one thing I'm very high on, too, is is the evolution of 5G networking.
2: Yes.
1: I think that is going to be, uh, now this is my view, mm-hmm. is it's going to be a game changer because as much as we're always connected today we're not quite always connected there's something no, that yeah. drops us we off we have
0: the illusion of being always yeah. connected
1: <laughs> that's a great essay. saying it. Yeah. so in my mm-hmm. illusion i drop off quite a bit so mm-hmm. what i want though is and what i think what's going to happen is that could be a very transformative technology that gives you full-time connectivity but not just for your human aspects For your system of systems aspect, so that work gets done differently than before, and that you could count on that type of network speed and and resiliency to be there. At least I think that's the promise. Mm -hmm. We'll see if it actually happens. Uh, But I like the, you know, the fact where it's going.
0: Yeah, well, and um, what you were talking about with voice recognition and voice activated, I think that is such a natural human way to interact with computers. I can remember this would be twenty five years ago now. My my son Kai was probably three or four years old and was trying to play the VCR because we had a VCR at that time. And he pushed in the tape and then looked at it and then leaned over and said, "Play." And uh, today he's a software engineer at Google. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of this, it just made so much sense to him at the time. And yeah. it was, we were so far from that capability then. But, but now,
1: uh, it, 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 if I do the math, at uh, 27. He can actually lean over and say "play."
0: Oh, indeed, yes, yes, and so, well, I like, I like, I prefer to text by just using voice activation. Yeah. It's just, it's actually a lot more accurate than trying to so swipe or out, type.
1: It turns out, you know, with the advent of Slack, uh, the advent of chatbots, we mm-hmm. do chatbots here, and we're seeing a growth in that. And then you start merging these technologies together. It provides a new way for people to ask for services to get things done uh, much more in a human-like manner, even though we know it's all technology-driven behind it. Now, over time, with the advances of robotics, you know we're probably gonna see a lot more assistants that feel and look like us who will get work done. So I, I'm very excited. I'm not scared of AI. I actually mm-hmm. embrace it. And so I, I, I'm looking for the day that um, I'm surrounded by robots.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and I, I'm relieved to hear you say that. I think as the CIO at JPL, if you told me you were worried about AI, that would probably be cause for concern. Um, one of the things that we also talked about was um, about the, the the importance of this changing your mindset as a cio and the way you collaborate and look for other resources you used high performance computing was one area you mentioned uh, tell yeah. me a little bit more about that
1: well i think the cio is not always responsible for building the services mm-hmm. it's sometimes it's uh, how do you provide services and in our case uh, you know high performance computing is a very important uh, aspect of computing for a lot of the research and mission and simulations that we do. So I can't always bring all the high-performance computing into JPL. Mm-hmm. And so we work with others to get that, get that access. Uh, certainly we use our, our, our colleagues at NASA's uh, uh, Ames Research Center. We use their supercomputing capability, which is much more than we could have. So the strategy we developed was, let's go find how we can get as much computing, high-performance computing, for our, our uh, uh, very smart workforce um, get it at the most reasonable way I can get it, mm-hmm. and uh, provide a local aspect so they can develop their software and get it right here, and then deploy it elsewhere. Okay. And we yeah. found that so far to be very successful. Um, and, and, and I think it's a model that, you know, uh, NASA can follow and may follow as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I um, one of the things I always ask CIOs about and talk with them about is what their strategy is in approaching innovation. And I feel a little silly asking you because you do so much of what the lab is doing is very innovative and leading edge and you know, you're know you exploring the final frontiers and all that stuff. Um, but companies and, and organizations often have either a structured or a kind of free form approach to innovation. So yeah. describe what it is you do within JPL.
1: So we have several ways of looking at innovation. Uh, uh, you know, and, and we, we, we certainly do one where employees of the lab, um, you know, contribute to that mm-hmm. and ask us to help them. Uh, and some of it may not be IT. I mean, it's innovation is for a lot of different things. So mm-hmm. certainly there are people who innovate in the mission work we do. But also it could be innovation in how we, you know, how we run the lab or how we do facilities or how we manage conference rooms and things of that nature. And so we encourage that by having uh, forums where people can submit and get a little bit of money to help us get it done. Mm-hmm. And those things w- really work pretty well. Uh, we do hackathons uh, internally as well and mm-hmm. those kind of things. Uh, but the lab encourages innovation, um, and we reward that when it's uh, the innovation that has a real impact.
2: Okay.
1: And uh, so the lab itself, it's not just IT, mm-hmm. embraces innovation uh, in many fronts. And, and that's what makes us one of the top places to work is that, you know, we have that kind of culture here at JPL that, uh, you know, one could be very proud of because of, uh, you, know, the, you know, the unique problems we try to solve really do take innovative thinking and
0: innovative ways to get things done. Mm-hmm. Well, and that also, on the flip side of that, that means that you have to have a culture that somehow is supportive of the flops. Because you can't get to something innovative without having a certain amount of failure.
1: Yeah, and that's very true. And You know, I think we take a reasonable amount of risk.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, we're willing to accept a reasonable, reasonable amount of risk to, you know, to try things. And, and, and we realize that not everything's going to work. And when that does happen, you still learn from it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and so the learning from it and the exposing it to, to, to the rest of the lab to say, we tried this, it didn't really work, educate the rest of the lab, please don't try this on your own. We've already done it. So, you <laughs> do know, not so try I, this I, at home for demonstration only. Yes.
0: is not good to do. Well, when you think back in the last year or two, what is something, uh, what is an innovation that came out of IT that you're particularly proud of or that you want to give a shout out to some of your particular folks about?
1: Well, I, I, I really think, uh, you know, um, we're, we're doing some remarkable things with uh, you know how I, I mentioned search earlier that's a it turns mm-hmm. out that capability is feeding other processes how so cool. that now people are counting on you know uh, a, a set of services or applications that they may have that now can find data that they couldn't find before through this innovative search capability and and so I'm kind of proud of that I'm proud of so many different things and Uh, So Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to just nail one thing uh, uh, down for us because, again, we do so many things in IT from, you know, from the basic my iPhone better work to, Mm -hmm. you know, to how do we support a mission and its preparation to launch. So, you know, and I get excited uh, just so you know, I get to sit at a console. Now, they won't let me touch any buttons,
2: Mm -hmm. but
1: I get to sit at a console so I can be there listening. And and watching as the preparation, say for a launch, goes, and when you do that, you really get a feel for how important IT is.
0: Oh, so cool! Do you get to like wear any special badges or helmets or anything? Or
1: well, they won't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's probably several helmets I should wear, but uh, yeah, there's. Uh, I, I I get to look important. I look like I'm pushing buttons, but I'm uh-huh, not. Uh
0: uh-huh. Right. 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 I um I've always maintained that most CIOs have. Way too much natural modesty. So I, I feel like I feel like I'm all about increasing uh, increasing the visibility of CIOs and making sure that you all brag about some of your accomplishments a little bit more. Um,
1: I have to tell you, on the external side, I, I, I do mm-hmm. want to say something. I I am very proud of the relationships I've built outside of JPL in the CIO right. CIO community. Mm-hmm. I have seen a shift in. CIO mentality respect uh, that seat at the table and the desire to deliver services that really matter versus IT that shines yes. and and it uh, that's a huge change uh, from you know not too long ago but you know certainly mm-hmm. from the 90s and and those times that uh, you tell me about
0: mm-hmm <laughs> I know, yeah. when I was back there working and you were still in college. Um, yeah. Well, and that's that's a really – actually, that's a great point to uh, wrap up our conversation on because that's all about leadership and about CIOs coming into their own as corporate officers and true leaders in their companies. Yeah. Um so you probably have a few lessons you've learned over the years. Uh, you've been in private industry. You've worked, God help you with the IRS and then the FDA and now JPL. So let's uh, throw out a few. What are some of the the lessons you've learned, things that Jim's rules to live by?
1: Well, you know, I, I uh, yeah, you do. I mean, if, if you're in it as long as I am, you, mm. you, you ought to learn something. So, <laughs> so, so some of the things I've learned is... Uh, you know, don't protect or defend what you build. You know, uh, be ready to disrupt it yourself. And mm-hmm. and if you find yourself being defensive, then you probably need to step back and reassess what, you, what you're what you doing.
0: Don't stand guard uh, on your legacy, in other words. That's exactly mm-hmm. right,
1: because legacies do change. And, yep. and you can only uh, – you're only as good as yesterday, not not a year ago or six years ago. The other thing is I refresh myself uh One thing, one technique I I really work hard at is, uh, and I do it around the January time frame, because it's, uh, Mm you know, New Year's has passed. It's it's new. There's something new. And I come in with a mental thought that I'm the new CIO at JPL.
2: Hmm.
1: And the idea there is, what did I inherit from the last CIO, and what would I fix? And if you think about when you change jobs, and you've outlined that I've changed jobs quite a bit, uh, (laughs) that... You know, when you go in, it's very objective. You go in objective, you go in fresh, mm-hmm. and you go in not knowing anything. Now, that's a little hard to do when I come in here, but yeah. at the same time, I look at it as a way of, you know, being that fresh new CIO at JPL mm-hmm. and what could I do that wasn't done before? Uh-huh. And I, that gives me a fresh sense of purpose and, and energy, quite frankly, that. Uh, You know, it just it drives me a little bit in thinking like that. And then finally, one thing I would offer up is, uh, you know, obviously, by the way, you should always hire good people and Mm -hmm. you you can't do it yourself. So you better hire good people. But the one thing about being a CIO, uh, uh, there's several characteristics. Be a communicator, do some marketing Mm -hmm. and represent your organization and company really, really well. Mm -hmm. So honesty, integrity, all those things really matter. And also show a sense of urgency without a sense of panic. Mm -hmm. And people will respond positively to that. And those are just some of the things that I've learned over the years that I think helped me and I think would help others as well.
0: Mm -hmm. I I love those. And uh, they're just... They're very succinct too now when you came in in january this past january 2018 um and you pretended you were new what did you change when you looked around where did you see the dumpster fires as it were
1: well i, I found that we were uh, uh you know i came in and looked and, and said well we're not doing certain aspects of our chargeback just right so let's ah. take a fresh view of that mm-hmm. let's make sure that we're, we're able to drive down some cost and some rates. Uh, let's look at how you know we're doing our cloud uh, processing. Uh, I came in and looked at how we're organized. I made some changes around that so mm-hmm. that we can meet the, the needs. Now, I didn't do anything dramatic this year, mm-hmm. but I have put an emphasis working with the lab on digital transformation. I used that term on purpose. We weren't using that term a year ah, ago okay and okay. so I've used that term on purpose because you can look it up you can google it and uh, there's and tons people can of
0: media out there on it God knows and, yeah. the,
1: and, and there's not a lot of common definition necessarily yeah. but people can read about it and see what others are doing mm-hmm. and at JPL I promise you we'll do our research and mm-hmm. uh, look up what is this guy talking about in digital transformation yeah and I think they did and well, so seeing us create an office excites me.
0: Yeah, that, that is. And that's, uh, well, and it's, um, it's comforting too on the media side to because I get a little fearful sometimes that we make up buzzwords and then we kind of beat them to death and then after a while they don't mean anything and so yeah. to see companies well to see organizations like yours actually building an office around a concept like digital yeah. transformation it gives it more legitimacy <laughs> than yeah, it might have had know, otherwise you know
1: I'm sure pretty soon I'll probably have to create an office of blockchain uh-huh. uh, you know yeah. the other uh, hot topic. Out I don't know. There. I
0: keep trying to find CIOs who will get up on stage and talk about it, but CIOs won't do that until there are results to talk about and real things to show, and nobody's got it. I mean, even big financial institutions are like, no, yeah. no, nothing we can talk about publicly. So yeah.
1: I think it's, we're it's a coming. ways away. It, it, we're a ways away, yeah. but it's coming. I think it's real. Yeah. I think it'll be here. I'm just not sure of all the applications we can take benefit of.
0: Okay well and you're in a great position to know and to watch these things thank you so much for your time today jim it's been delightful <laughs> as it always is talking with you same, and same. i will uh, i'll look forward to seeing you this summer when yet again you come to accept another innovation award at our cio 100 conference I'm, in the I, middle I, of august
1: I, i'm always excited i'm like a kid i love those things and so <laughs> you will see me there and i'll be bright and shiny waiting for a uh, picking up an award from Mary friend.
0: Well, and and even on the few rare years when you don't win an award at JPL, you're just always there cheering on everybody else too. So, it's Thank been great you. to have you on today. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Yep. Well, thank you for tuning in to uh, another fabulous episode of CIO Leadership Live. If you have joined us late into the broadcast, you will uh, do not fret. You can find it posted by tomorrow on CIO.com. And we also have audio podcasts of my interview with Jim available on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And I hope you can join me for our next episode, uh, number 12, which will be Monday, June 25th at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'm going to be talking uh, with Doug Blackwell, who is the Senior Vice President and CIO of Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. It's been a pleasure having you join us as our audience today, and I will see you next time. Thanks.
2: Okay.